Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Devoted Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Shaner, and I'm here in the studio with my other host, co-host, and my pastor, Ben Heffernan. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great today. Oh, good. Good. It's a little cloudy outside, and it's a little cold, but inside, uh, we're here in the Word of God, and it's and it's warm to the Spirit. So we're excited. Our topic today is going to be on what the Bible says about love. And so we've just been through the holiday of uh, Valentine's Day, the holiday of love. Um, you know, really, it's just focused. You know, you, you go into the stores and you see hearts and you see teddy bears and you see chocolates and roses and things like that. And it's it, it's uh, it's a very um, nice time, um, especially if, you know, uh, for uh, couples, married couples, you know, you can sit down and enjoy uh, your husband or your wife and just um, just a just a reminisce and just a special time um, but in today's society <laughs> you talk about love and it's got 80,000 different meanings behind it yeah. and so we've got to be careful and so we're going to dive into God's word and see what God's word has to say about love and true love and what meaning love has and what as Christians and believers we ought to see in uh, the word love as and the example that God has set for us in his word. Uh, the first verse we're going to look at is 1 John 4, 19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. Mm. And so we're going to see, you know, that verse is, is, is a very popular verse, but it has a lot of meaning to it. And I think whenever I read that verse, I see... We love him because he first loved us. God loves us hmm. so much that he wrote John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hmm. Because of the love that he had for us, not only did he create us, give us life and take care of us, he, give, he gave us his son, Jesus, hmm. to die on the cross, to be that example of love, true love. He gave his life. Hmm. There's no greater love than that. The Bible even says that in uh, John 15, 13. It says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Hmm. Jesus loves us so much that he gave his life. He took the beatings there was, what was the, the number of beatings before that he took? I think there was at least three. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, you know, and then the whips, right? They, they tied him to a post and oh. whipped him. Yeah. And there was, I mean, they one more whip than what they gave him. And he would have, mm. you know, that, that, that was the, the death blow. That's mm. what they would have mm. called it. The final whip. And they went that far because they didn't want to kill him. They wanted to torture him. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's just amazing. Now, those whips had were leather, yeah. and they had shards of glass and nails and bones. Cat of nine tails. Yeah, and it was just it would shred the person's body. Mm -hmm. And he did that because he loved us. Mm -hmm. Took a crown of thorns. If you ever get an opportunity to look at those. It's it's amazing. Mm. Those thorns were so long, sharp. 
And they don't. They didn't just gently put it on his head. They put it on his head, and then they beat it into his skull. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you think about that. He did that because he loved us. Mm-hmm. He loves you. They put a robe of purple on him, and then they ripped it off. This re-injuring those wounds, mm-hmm. reopening up those, some of those wounds, mm-hmm. causing it to bleed more pain carrying the cross i mean that was heavy they were like railroad ties (laughs) Mm. and then not only that but he had endured that walk up golgotha Mm. when you think about that the people spitting in his face calling him names reaching and grabbing out and grabbing his beard and ripping it off his face the nails that were driven in his hands He thirsted on the cross. They gave him vinegar. It burned. Jesus did that for you and me because he loved us. What love? There's no greater than what Jesus did. And as Christians, he he asks us to love him back. He requires us to love him back. And we sit there and there's days where we, man, something goes wrong in our life and we blame God mm. quick. Mm. And, you know, and there's times there's even Christians that say they don't love God mm. anymore because of their circumstances. Well, because they say that, God still doesn't mm-hmm. not love them. Yeah, He still loves them. It's an interesting passage that really kind of backs up what you're saying. It's a climax to Paul's arguments in Romans chapter 8 where he says he's got five different questions and he culminates with that question, what shall separate us from the love of God? That the end result of what God has done for us upon the cross and our justification and ultimately the glorification that he's basically saying no, no, nothing can possibly take us away from that love. We will be in that love for eternity. And so not even death, nor life, nor principalities, or powers, nor things to come. You know, just whatever it may be. The, 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 it's not even talking about, he, Paul doesn't limit himself just to the things of this world. He limits himself beyond and anything, beyond time and dimension, whatever it could be thought of. That God's love is so strong. And that's the great assurance of what God has done for us is so that we would never be separated from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And so... Yeah, that's we have to experience that. We have to know that that love by the power of the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. anyway, just a verse to back up what you're saying. Yeah, that's good. So you know, just thinking about that, you know, we we think about love, and the Hebrew word for love is ahava. I don't know if I said that right, but um, this is the most basic form or level of love. This word also carries not only to receive love but also to action or to give back the love um, to the giver so not only is this love that we ought to have first john 4 19 says we love him because he first loved us that basic word we love him mm-hmm. why because he loved us you know, and we don't we don't get that in today's society. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hollywood has skewed love. I mean, tainted it. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it is poisoned because now you think about love and what do you think about Disney characters? Mm-hmm. You know, you think about um, just, you know, the, the, the movies, the, the sitcoms. You know, one man, he finds love. And then not only that, but now he's torn because he finds another love. Mm-hmm. And then he's torn because there's another. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's what society has come to accept. Yeah. Love without commitment. And so, you know, you got love, which is the basic, mm-hmm. and you got commitment, which is the moderate. But then you got the vow. And that is the highest level of love. Mm-hmm. So let me break it down. The the basic love we've just kind of gone through. Then you have a commitment. Mm-hmm. Right? You've committed to loving that individual. Mm-hmm. That man or that woman you've come now Bible says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning God also created Adam and Eve Mm -hmm. he created a man and a woman he created that marriage between a man and a woman he didn't create it to be a man and a man or a woman and a woman so in order to understand love and commitment between a husband and a wife, you have to go back to Genesis. And you have to see God created a man and a woman, and he created them to be helpmeets for each other. A committed love. And in today's society, we've eschewed that to the point that now it's like, oh, now we're accepting a man because he's fall in love with another man mm-hmm. that's 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 right that could be okay and a woman and a woman so and then obviously there's there's a whole lot more that goes underneath those categories now that we've come to accept mm-hmm. as good mm-hmm. so we think about that there's zero commitment mm-hmm. back in the 40s and 50s the movement we see now was hidden or little little at all because they understood a man and a woman were to be together. Mm-hmm. You think about Sodom and Gomorrah. You, know, you think about all the Bible, you know. Yes. <laughs> God still loves you if you, if you are gay or lesbian. Still does. But he wants to have a relationship with you. And because of the sin, he can't. Until you repent of your sin and turn and accept him as your savior, then you could have that committed love. So, as we're building, <laughs> we got a bunch of building blocks here. Tra- trail with me. Is now, so that we've understood that, between a husband and a wife, there ought to be commitment. And in today's society, and it's it's been for years and years, fortunately, where a man can shack up with a woman, live together, have kids together, and if they don't agree on something, there's no commitment. They can just leave whenever they want to. They can sleep with whoever they want to. There's no commitment. 
And that's not true love. That's not love. It's just dragging somebody else with your with your baggage, your luggage, adding to it. So commitment is between a man and a woman who commit to loving each other only that it leads to the vows at the altar. It leads to that moment where it was just basic love. Then it turned into a commitment saying that you are the one that God wants me to be with the rest of my life. Now I'm going to make it a vow to be with you and you alone, only you. And even in today's society, we see those vows are broken. Vow is not designed to be broken. What happens whenever you break a vow? A bunch of ugliness. They call that divorce. Basically, you're, you're, you're like, oh, I can't agree with this person or it doesn't work out with this person anymore. Well, that's sad. It means that you didn't do it the right way to begin with. Well, I fell in love with that person. We were, we were, you know, hanging out and with some friends, and friends introduced us, and you know, we yada yada yada, and then decided to get married on a whim. It worked out for fifteen years, and then eh, I feel like we need to move on. You hear those stories all the time. Yeah, and then in the church too. And you're just like, it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you see the, the family, the kids, and everybody. It's, it's, it doesn't just affect the man and the woman. It affects the kids. Mm-hmm. It affects the friends. It affects your church. Yeah. It, I mean, it, and, and nobody realizes that until after it's, the damage is done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it's, and that's not what God intended marriage to be. Yeah. It ought to be a vow. Husbands, love your wives as, as Christ has loved the church. As the church, the church is the bride of Christ. He loves the church. We ought to love our wives the same way. And wives ought to love their husbands. And work as a team. So whenever you get to the altar and you say those vows, they ought to be backed by meaning and love. They had to be backed by scripture, knowing that God is going to be at the center of this family, at the center of the vow. Because if God is not holding down that anchor, <laughs> your boat's going to fly away, sail away. Yeah. <laughs> There's kind of an interesting aspect, but you're, you're talking about this, and we think about the world, and I, I think there is a... They swap. They, they take a word. Oftentimes, this is what Satan likes to do. He'll take a word that's good and right, hollow it of its meaning, and then fill it in with a different meaning. And mm-hmm. this aspect, what they mean by the word love, ultimately becomes the idea of lust. It it becomes an expression of desire. <laughs> so it means that I want you, not that I love you. Well, what does it mean that I want you? I think of the story with Amnon and Tamar, where it's a sordid story of a man who says that he loved her and it was his half-sister and he conspired some way that he might be able to, to rape her. And then after he was done with her, it says that he hated her with the hatred that was stronger than the love that he loved her. 
And so it's very clear that there is a kind of love that's mentioned in the Bible that's that's this idea of lust, where all it was not a true love. It was it was it was void. So when I look at this and say, okay, how can I define love versus lust? <laughs> lust wants to extract something from you for myself. Love is willing to give something to you. I want to benefit you. So when you think about the love that God's given to us, he, he, love is invariably attached in Scripture with the word gave. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. There's a, a gift aspect. Lust is always taking. Um, and so, so when, that's why no marriage will work apart from God, because God is love. He's the fountain and source of love. I, I don't have any love inside me naturally uh, apart from his grace. So if I am not founded on him, then ultimately I'm going to be living in a marriage in which I'm trying to take and take and take. And the other person's taking from me. And uh, one of our, our teachers called it two ticks and no dog. Where you, <laughs> you, you come to that realization, you wake up and realize, wait a second, and, and uh, you and they say, "Well, this is incompatible." You know that that's the the terminology for those things, and it, it really is sad. Um, the 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 devoid, and so a lot of what we have today is masquerading as love is just this aspect of lust, and my desires have grown, and, and they've been augmented, and they've been they've been uh, stoked by pornography, or stoked by experience, or other things and now I, I my desires are great and powerful and then it's becoming for all kinds of perverse and twisted things it doesn't stop when you when you abandon the guardrails that god has given for one man and one woman in terms of a biblical romantic love or an expression of that it does not just stop with all there's no alternative in which it stops at there's no like second lane that you can and there's only one road and then there's a cliff and we're falling down the cliff. And there is an aspect to which you can you can stratify the layers of falling. Homosexuality is one of them. And I don't really even like to refer to it as homosexuality. I like to, because that Bible, that's not even a word in the Bible. Right. And so I, I, I typically call it sodomy, um, because that's what the scripture mm -hmm. uses it for. But so you've got sodomy is, is one aspect. Well, then we have the next one is pedophilia. And people are pushing for that to be accepted, that we need to love the pedophilia. And we need to accept what they're doing. And it's just, it's grotesque. And it's and the, the, there's all kinds of aspects of horrific things that people find pleasure and desire. In, and it comes even to the point of inflicting pain and agony and, and even sometimes torture. On people for my own sadistic pleasure, and all of this is supposed to be accepted. That's how how far down the rabbit hole we are in terms of this debauched wickedness uh, away from God. And we're just we're living in a, a world of filled with appetites with lust. And when the biggest thing about lust is the bigger your appetite grows, um, the the it. it I guess the the devil, I think C.S. Lewis put it one way, where the Satan is always trying to give you less <laughs> and require more. Mm -hmm. Your appetite grows and you get less and less satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Versus where when you really come down to what love is, it's a commitment like you're talking about toward that person. You made this vow before the Lord. And it's 
it's a commitment that just it's not just stay together but it's i'm going to give myself for you how can i benefit you i'm going to go to work so that you can have this home so you can have this car i'm going to spend time with you so you can i'm going to listen to you so you have the friend that you need and everything should be oriented around this giving mentality and the only way i can do that because that's not Ben Heffernan. <laughs> the only way I can do that is when I'm focused and I'm receiving from the Lord. And I think that's part of what is talking about there when he says that um, we love him because he first loved us. When you have the love underneath girding you and who God is, because he is giving, giving, and giving, and I'm constantly receiving, then I can overflow. And I can turn my mentality and my focus towards others. So that's kind of... Uh, yeah, I hope that can be of help to some people to to understand, you know, that a lot of times we think what we call love is not really love. It's not in the biblical aspect of what God means it to be. Right. And, you know, it's interesting because I was looking it up. So we found the Hebrew meaning, but I was just kind of curious what Webster's Dictionary had to say about it. Hmm. And the meaning of love using the Webster's Dictionary uh, Webster says it's a strong affection for another arising out of kinship or personal ties, uh, maternal love for a child, um, attraction based on uh, sexual desires, affection and tenderness felt by lovers. So <laughs> he kind of gives a vague, mm-hmm. kind of a general look at it. But again, I kind of focus on maternal love. My fourth child was born a couple days ago. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) And so, but it's just, it's, it's unique. I think I texted you, you know, right after I, you know, I I said that it's, um, it never gets old. Yeah. It's the fourth, Mm -hmm. fourth one. And you you know, most people are like, wow. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But it's like, you know, God just keeps, you know, he's just blessed my family. And you think about it as a parent, mm-hmm. you sit there and you see the newborn life. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wow. Are you overwhelmed with the helplessness of that child? Is you, that, yeah. Just, I mean, you're just, I mean, it takes its first breath, but it, it can't sustain its own life yeah. without us. Mm-hmm. Just like we can't sustain ourselves mm-hmm. without Christ. Yes. Yeah. At the center of our life. Mm-hmm. You know, spiritually, we're not going to grow. We're not without his word, without his leading and guiding, you know, without fellowship one with another. You know, we, we ought to have that, that desire for him. I think about, um, there was a social experiment done and they put 10 boys in one home Mm -hmm. for two days by themselves, no adult supervision, Hmm. just as a social experiment to show what, you know, if kids can sustain themselves by themselves without the adult supervision, mm-hmm. obviously not, because I mean these kids ranged, I think they were ranging between the ages of ten and twelve. Mm. So it's a kind of a crucial age where they're, you know, they're they're experimenting with life. They're trying to figure out things. They like to destroy things because that's like a desire inside of us. Mm-hmm. You know, even as men, we like to see things explode and just mm-hmm. crumble, but. You know, you, you in that experiment, I looked, I just watched little parts of it, and that house was a mess. Hmm. There was no, there was no order. Windows were broken. Hmm. I mean, food everywhere. There was hmm. no direction whatsoever. Hmm. 
And it just went to show that the parents are needed mm -hmm. to sustain life. Mm. God is needed to sustain a Christian, mm. to sustain our lives. I hope no tax dollars were in that for me. <laughs> we have to do a study to figure that out. <laughs> Parents are needed. <laughs> so, right? But see, and then we, we, we take that maternal, and then we, we focus in mm. on this. Satan wants to destroy life. Mm. Yeah. And one way he destroys it, and I was just sitting there thinking, and I was looking at my baby boy and mm. just born and, I just couldn't help but think about also the the ones that don't make it out of the womb mm. before they are killed. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. These, I'm like, I gotta be, how do I tactfully put this? <laughs> you, well, not so It's tactfully. gotta be, you've <laughs> gotta be selfish. Mm -hmm. Full of yourself to not think about another child. Another life, mm -hmm. to take a life. Mm -hmm. I saw an interview with a doctor who does abortions and is all for abortions and things. It's almost demonic. Mm. He was sitting outside whenever they were interviewing him with a cup of coffee saying, yeah, this is fine. This is good. He had a smile on his face and everything. How? Mm. When you take people's lives. Yeah. You say, oh, it's not murder because it's the child's. It is at conception. It is a living thing. Mm -hmm. It's living, breathing. Oh, my career will be ruined. Hmm. Okay. You can either find a new career or be a parent. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hmm. And I understand there's some, you know, there's other issues that go along with it. Maybe some health. Maybe there's, you know, there's other things that, that happen in life that shouldn't happen to an individual. And you end up with a child. I'm not saying it's right. But there's options besides killing the baby. Adoption. Foster care. I mean, there's other options out there. But that's not love. You're saying I do it because of I love the child. There was another interview I watched where the mother, she went through and did the abortion and they were asking her, how are you feeling? She's like, I feel horrible. Mm. I said, why? And she says, well, I've got mixed, of feeling, mixed feelings about this. Because, one, I know I did it for love because the child would not have been happy mm. in this world. Oh, my. And the other one, she said, I feel bad because I could have gave it life. But it's like, okay, there's just, there's no direction there anymore. And so you think about yourself more than you think about somebody else's life. And, you know, it's beyond me to understand that fully. But scripture says that God has given us life. God has created life. And you were created in the image of God. And this world... They want abortion because guess what? It destroys life, destroys God's image. Mm -hmm. They know. They tell you that, oh, life doesn't start till this point. Mm -hmm. But they know life starts before that. Mm -hmm. 
It's a lie that they that they tell people, mm-hmm. and they buy into it. Yeah. I mean, at what point, at what cost, before we finally wake up and say, "Hey, yeah. this isn't right." Yeah. I mean, millions and millions of babies are dead. That's millions and millions of lives. That's parents. That's husbands, wives, dead. Mm-hmm. That's brothers and sisters, dead. Friends, co-workers, mm-hmm. teammates, dead. You took that life away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you think about, like you're talking about holding that little baby so fresh, so new, and I, I, I know that feeling, and it's like, I want to do everything for that child. I, I, <laughs> I want to help him graduate from high school. Yeah, I want to teach them. I want to help them with marriage. I want to help them. And they're just like, they're like, <laughs> just a little, little baby. They can't do, but there's this desire. I want to help them all through life. I want to provide for them. I want to take care of them. I want to protect them. That is love. It's, it's that moment of, I want to give, I want to give of myself. And, and when we look back as parents and honestly, I just went to a funeral today. Huh. You look back on a life and you say, this person lived 88 years. What's the important things in their lives that really last? It's the people. It's the people that they impacted, that they loved, that they helped and gave their life to. It's not really about the enjoyments that they had in their life or even the profession that they had. Those things are interesting, but what really is meaningful, what stands the test of time, what I'm saying, I guess, is what gives you and me real worth? (laughs) My great worth is that I'm a father. And then I have a wife, and it's the people that I'm to pour my life into into love, and and I have a church family to love, and and so there's love fills us with meaning, and you can see why on the opposite side, when you live for lust, and you want love, quote unquote, for no commitment, and you want to get all that you can and rip something out of someone else, and I'll get I'll spend my time with you for a little bit and use your body, and then I'm gone, I can live for myself. You have no self worth. That's why people get so depressed, so discouraged, and they seek out some other attraction or some other desire that might satisfy their souls. But what people are killing is they don't even understand what it means to be a to be a parent and to 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 have that experience of love. I, it makes me wonder when they talk about abortion. I would love to see any statistics out there that would show how many how many people come in for abortion who already have kids. And how many people come in with for an abortion? It's because their first child, and they don't know that experience of what it's like to be a parent and to have a child and that type of thing. So that's, I would be very, I would not be surprised if most, if not the majority, of abortions are for people who have never had a child, never know the the meaning and significance that comes into one's life through uh, being able to pour your life into someone else, because um, that's truly what love is so mm-hmm. I'm thinking about these things you know First John 4 8 says he that loveth not knoweth not God mm. for God is love and if we don't have love for each other and we don't have that love in our hearts that that true spiritual love you know that that perfect love of God in our hearts then we don't know God ourselves you know, and, and 
so we talked about you know we're talking about marriage we're talking about the, the the maternal side but think about it from a personal side you know you you think about people who take their own lives because they don't feel loved or they do self-harm because they don't feel loved or they don't love you know is this not in I heard this statement we can't say that we don't that somebody doesn't know love based upon their home life the love of God based upon their home life if somebody comes from a single parent home, right? The father left the home. It's just a mother. The child grew up just at home with just his mother. It's like, oh, no, that person doesn't know the love of God because he doesn't have a father. He doesn't know the father's love. No, that's not our place to say. It's our place to share that love because maybe you have it. I know people who grew up in single family homes single-parent homes who love the Lord. Mm -hmm. I know of people, men who, and there's, there's even preachers I know, grew up in an abusive home. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, you know, the father would come home drunk mm -hmm. and just beat them. Mm -hmm. But they're now sharing God's love because they've experienced love of God, the love of God. It comes from loving God with all of our heart to find true love. In understanding what God, what Christ, what Christ did on the cross, Jesus did on the cross, that is true love. And until we get back to that, we will never know what true love is. That love that he gave us, the love that we said, Lord, forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. That love. That was, that was you and me saying, God, fill me. I want you in my life. I need you in my life. I don't want to live this life of sin anymore. I don't want to die and go to hell. I want to live in eternity with you. There's that love. There's another analogy I, I heard. I know I use a lot of analogies, but it, it's one way for me to, to kind of get through my thoughts. Here's one that I heard was, there was a man sitting on a fence. So I pick a fence. One side was heaven, and on the other side was hell. The man said he was sitting on the fence, and Jesus was on one side, and, and uh, the devil was on the other. And Jesus says, come, follow me. And Jesus started walking away and says, come on, follow me. And the man on the fence says, I don't know if I'm ready yet to follow. So like, I'll stay here. Well, Satan says, okay, come follow me. He's, the man's on the fence. He goes, no, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to choose you to follow yet. I'm going to stay right here. The devil turns around, starts walking away, and goes, oh, wait, I own that fence. You're with me. 
you think about that, and of course you think about it, you know, you just think about the analogy, but if you think about it, the Bible doesn't like a lukewarm Christian. It doesn't like a person who sits in the middle. You gotta choose. You either choose to follow Christ, accept him as your savior, or you choose to reject him. That's why God gave us a free will to choose. So we're not like robots. But he does give us commandments to follow in his word. And in Matthew 22, 36 through 40, says this. Verse number 36 of Matthew 22 says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets mm. he gave us two commandments to love the lord with all the lord thy god with all thy heart all thy soul with all thy mind mm. we talked about at the beginning of this podcast focusing on the word love and how the the devil has pretty much taken taken it out and filled it with lust. Mm-hmm. Our minds, we ought to love the Lord with all of our mind. If our mind is in the gutter, mm-hmm. have you seen, you've seen a dirty gutter mm-hmm. full of leaves and dirt, right? It yeah. The water can't flow through it. It clogs up and then it just overflows and creates a mess. That's why you got to clean it out so that it can flow freely. The rain. And, you know, God's word wants to flow through our minds. It wants to flow through our hearts. But if we t- haven't cleaned it out mm. and it's just piled with junk, mm. there's a high number of Christians that cuss, mm. use mm. the Lord's name in vain. Mm. They call themselves Christians. Mm-hmm. There's Christians who say, oh, I can drink, mm-hmm. I can smoke with my buddies in the bar. Mm-hmm. And then turn around and go on Sunday to church and say, yeah. Just, <clears throat> God, Jesus says not to be drunk with wine. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, and to have a mind that is purely focused on him. What happens whenever you drink alcohol and you smoke? Mm. Your inhibitions are taken away. Yeah. Right? You are now what they call under the influence mm-hmm. of that object, mm-hmm. that yeah. thing, that drug. Marijuana is a big one now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. You're like, oh, it makes me feel good. I feel happy. No, that's, that's not Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the drugs talking. Yeah. We ought to feel joyful. We ought to feel mm. I'm gonna say it, but let me see from this perspective. We ought to be high on Jesus. Mm. <laughs> I know that's probably not the right terminology for this, mm. but we ought to have that feeling of Jesus is my everything. My drive, 
When you get addicted to something, you want more of it. And once you reach that level, you want more after that and more after that to keep getting that high. We ought to be like that with Jesus. We ought to be in his word and read and read and read and be like, I got to have more. I got to have more. My life has to be consumed with Christ. And the love he's given me to give to others. It's got to, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a give and, 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 a, and it's not only is it a give, but it's a take. You have to receive his love to give his love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Bible talks about four kinds of loves. And so it talks about, there's four types of loves in the Bible. There's the storge love, which is the empathy bond, a phileo love, which is a brotherly bond, an eros love which is an intimate bond and an agape love, which is unconditional love. And I think it's very interesting because in a passage of scripture, Jesus looked at Peter and said, do you love me? Mm-hmm. He says, of course I love you. He says, no, do you love me? Mm-hmm. And in that story, in that passage of scripture, When Jesus says, do you love me? He was using the agape. Mm -hmm. Do you unconditionally love me? Are you committed to me? Peter didn't catch on as normal. (laughs) He says, yeah, I love you. Mm -hmm. And he was using the phileo love, the brotherly love. Mm -hmm. He says, yeah, I love you like a brother. Jesus is like, no, do you love me with an unconditional love? Mm -hmm. Or do you love me with just a bond love? Peter's like, I love you with like a brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it clicked. Jesus is like, do you love me, Peter? And at that point, it's like, oh, yes, I do. It's interesting how we, Jesus says, do you love me? How do you, how much do you love me? And we go, oh, I, I, I love you. Yeah. No. How much do you love me, Caleb? Yeah, I, yeah, I love you. Where are we going with this? Well, if you love me, then keep my commandments. Caleb. If you love me, then you will love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Do you love me? Do you agape me? And that phileo switches really quick to, yeah, I agape you. I love you. And so we see that those are the two, that agape love is one of the most powerful uses of the word in the Bible for love. Because it has that unconditional commitment backing it. And so do you have any more thoughts on just kind of with that Hmm. focus there mm. on 
Yeah, no, that's good. The uh, commitment there, I think about just the keep yourself in the love of God, you know, just keep living in light of that God loves me and yet living in accordance with what, what would please him. And uh, that will, um, you'll experience that love of God. You'll know, and John, Romans chapter 5 says that the Holy Spirit of God will shed abroad, just pour it forth into our experience that we would know the love of God. And uh, it's for us to believe his word, be obedient to his word, and to walk in that love relationship with him. And so that's a very powerful dynamic that we can have. And we can, when you, just like a young man who wants to be around a young lady more and more, there's a parallel of what um, God wants for us in terms of that love, that his love for us is, is, a, is a, a picture of Christ in the church and uh, is a picture for, I'm sorry, that picture is a picture for us in our homes. And so we get to see uh, an evidence of what God wants from us and, and how, how much we ought to be dedicated to him and love him with all of our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I just looked up how many times the word love is mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's mentioned 442 times in the King James Bible. Mm-hmm. 444 times. Or 42 times, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. It's a lot mm-hmm. to be mentioned in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Just a lot. That just shows that God, and he's interwoven. With every story you read in the Bible, love is there. Well, even in the bad parts? Yeah. Even in the struggles. You know, I think (laughs) you think about an individual who really uh, just... You would think that God would struggle to love the most. (laughs) I think was in my opinion, was David. Hmm. King David. A man after God's own heart. Yet that man could not keep his mind on the right thing. He would come back. He had a heart for the Lord. He'd come back to the Lord after he would (laughs) fall on his face in sin. He would turn around and he'd say, God forgive me and then he'd turn around and he'd fall on his face and God would say and then get a hold of his heart and David would turn and but God loved David through all of it there was not one time in the Bible does it mention that God hated David there's not one thing in the Bible that says except for sin (laughs) except for evil God hates evil God hates sin God loves you. Even through those moments that you do sin, He loves you. He dies for you. He died for you. So with that, knowing the basic meaning of love, are you what level are you with the Lord? Are you basic? Are you at the commitment level? Are you at the vow level with Christ in your walk? If you're basic, there's nothing wrong with that. 
means that you are tra- you know, trying to learn and understand God. As a new believer, maybe you've just accepted Christ in your heart. You're at the basic level. You're drinking the milk. You haven't quite got to the bread and the steak yet. The meat and potatoes. And then if you have been a Christian for a while, and you're still basic, you need to maybe reevaluate a few things. But if you are in the commitment stage, you say, Lord, I'm committed to you. No matter what the cost. You're saying, Lord, I move, move forward in serving and loving you. It's amazing to see how he moves us up into the vow, the high level of love. He says, all right, now go preach my gospel. Go preach my love. Go preach my salvation message, what I did for everybody on the cross of Christ, or on the cross. It's amazing when you step out by faith. You're like, well, I can't share the gospel with anybody. I'm too nervous to talk. It's no excuse. I have stage fright. I still do. I share the gospel. Am I nervous? Yes. Do I want to not talk to people? Yes. Is it the right thing to do to share the gospel? Yes. So I shouldn't just cower in my pride. I shouldn't cower in saying, oh, oh I'm, I'm just inadequate to talk to people. Well, Jesus Christ didn't die for me so I can just keep it to myself. He died for me so I can go share the gospel with the world. And if you're listening tonight and maybe you're, you've heard some things on this podcast that maybe drew your attention away from the world and is bringing your, your mind to Christ and Christ is working on your heart. Don't wait any longer to turn to him, to repent of your sins and accept him as your Lord and Savior. You know, if you wait too long, you'll miss out on God. You'll miss out. When I was a kid, my grandfather was uh, taking me on a, we were taking a trip. He passed away back in 2010. But he, I don't know if he accepted Christ in his heart or not. But one thing that echoes in my mind, that God (laughs) keeps in my mind, is we were taking a trip to a hardware store. And my grandfather, you know, my dad had, had witnessed to him and I'd seen my dad witness to him. And I knew he hadn't accepted Christ in his heart. And I remember on that drive, I was in tears. And I told my grandpa, Grandpa, you're going to die and go to hell. I don't want you to die and go to hell. I want you to go to heaven when you die. I want to see you in heaven. And I remember my grandpa looked at me and said, boy, stop your crying. 
If I burn, I burn. Leave it alone. Those, those words echo in my mind. Mm. If I burn, I burn. Mm. <laughs> he passed away. I don't know if he accepted Christ in his heart or not. But I know when my dad went to go clean out my grandpa's desk in his office, he said he found tracks mm. and a Bible in the desk. I, we don't know. And I will never know until I get to heaven. Mm. I pray that maybe he did before he passed away. Mm. Because I, I, would, I would be thrilled for him to be in heaven. When I get to heaven, I see him. I'd be thrilled. If not, those words just echo my mind. And it's going to be, it's horrible. Horrible thought. Hell is a horrible place. It's not a place to have a party. It's not a place. This world paints hell as a place, as a place of pleasure. And you see it. It's celebrated. In the music. Celebrated in the movies. It's not... A pleasure place. It's a place of pain. A place of constant burning, wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's not a good place to be. And our hearts are not to see you go there, to that place. Well, God will never accept me because of the things that I've done. Maybe you're listening and God is working on your heart and you know that you're not saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and hath believed in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Taking the time to accept and invest in your eternal future. It's the best investment you will ever make. Is investing in your spiritual future. Where you go when you die. Anything to conclude on love, what we've talked about? I think we've done a great job. So, <laughs> Again, it's, I know we've kind of hit some pretty hard notes. Mm -hmm. And we, we put it right on the, on, <laughs> put the hammer, the face of the hammer on the, on the head of the nail mm -hmm. today. And if it's convicted you, there may be something that you need to get right with the Lord. You know, we're not... God's God never sugarcoated sin. And we, we we don't either. Sin is sin. No matter how you paint it. No matter how good smelling stuff you put on it, it still stinks. Because it's sin. And 
listen, the world doesn't want you to know this, but there have been individuals, testimonies of individuals who were gay. And they got right with the Lord. And they turned from that life. Lesbian, same thing. They were transgender. And they found out that's, that's not what the body's intended for. God didn't intend the body to be like that. If you're a man, you're a man. You're a woman, you're a woman. If you're a man who identifies as a woman, you're still a man. Sorry. No matter how many hormone blockers you take and how, however many surgeries you have to change your body, you're still a man, DNA-wise. If you're a woman who thinks that you know you are identifying as a man, you are still a woman. No matter, it's the same thing. No matter how many blockers you take, no matter how many surgeries you have, you are still a woman. God has intended that for you, to be a woman. God has intended that for you, to be a man. Be what God has intended you to be. We need to teach that in our schools. Get back to those prayer meetings, schools. Our Bible readings, Bible clubs. Need to get back to that instead of teaching them what we want them to think. You know, the world is like, we, you know, it's a captivated audience right there. We can share with them whatever we want to. We can tell these kids, these young minds who are, can conform to anything. We can tell them that they are this, they are that. No. We ought to teach them what is right and what is wrong. Stop saying what is wrong is right and what's right is wrong. I think that if we would just focus on God, we get back to God. And we start having revival in our churches and revival in our hearts. It starts with you and me. Hmm. Revival does. It starts in our hearts. When we let the Lord start changing us, then we have the opportunity to start sharing what God has done in our hearts. And we can see and we start praying. We see the Lord working in our hearts. We see the Lord working in our churches, in our communities. There was a commercial, a couple commercials uh, that referenced God in the Super Bowl. Commer in Super Bowl commercials. And there was a lot of backlash saying, you know, it was offensive. God is offensive in this world. Why? Because he brings conviction. <laughs> you can't do wrong in the light. It has to be dark. And if there's still light in the room, you're still going to know what's going on. Jesus Christ is the light of this world. And Christians, the Bible calls us the light of the world. We ought to be shining our light so bright that, yeah, it starts offending the world. It starts making the world feel a little edgy. Because it means that they are realizing what they're doing is wrong. And what we got is the truth. This country was founded upon God. 
It was founded upon Christian principles. And we've gotten so and we've gotten so far from the truth, from God's word, that we are just full of ourselves. And the world is gaining ground in our homes, in our churches. The enemy, Satan, wants nothing more than to destroy our churches. He wants to do more harm to our families. Men and women, Christians, get on your knees and start praying that the Lord would work in our hearts, in our minds, that he would bring revival to our country. That we, that we would see God working in a mighty way. That homes would change, churches change, communities change, our country would change for the Lord. If we want to see America become great again, we're going to have to make Jesus great again in our country. It's not a man in a White House that makes this country great. It's a God who loves our country, who gave himself for the world, that this country was built upon. That God, Jesus Christ, We need him back in our country, leading our country, leading our hearts, our homes. Because without him, we are nothing but dust in the wind. So with these thoughts in mind, think about the truth from God's word. Study out God's word. Take these principles from God's word and apply them to your heart. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We are thankful and grateful that you um, have been here with us. I know it's a little different from the uh, journey through the book of Matthew, but we will get right back into that. And But God's love is not just a word. It's an action. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So let's put God's love into action. Let's share his gospel, his love story. And if you're listening and you don't have Christ in your heart and you've been thinking about these things, like I said earlier, don't wait. Repent of your sins and ask God into your heart. And get into a church that preaches the Bible. The King James Bible. Get into a church that doesn't have the false thought of God. That teaches false things. Fake things things.
get into a church that preaches God's word. That you can grow. That you can have good, godly fellowship. Thank you for listening to the Devoted Podcast. Please like and share this episode and all of our episodes because we want to reach the world with the gospel one listener at a time. If you know friends, family, coworkers, anything like that, anyone like that, Lord, or uh, just share the Lord with them. Share this podcast. We are thankful that you are listening to us. We are thankful that you're here with us in God's word in this Bible study on how, what the Bible says about love. Thank you. Have a good night.